the uh, phrase that I was given by the Lord is uh, a phrase called a baptism of love. This phrase, a baptism of love, it, it points to God's capacity to restore to us the love of our salvation. It restored to us a white-hot level of love, both vertically and horizontally. And we know from the scripture that love can grow cold, correct? Like the Laodicean church, it says, you know, the love of, the, 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 come back to your first love. That, you know, you've, you've become lukewarm. In other words, you've drifted, you've drifted into a place of mediocrity when it comes to love. And love was never made, made to be warm. The heart was never made to be walled off or closed. That everything in the kingdom is always, always white hot. The heart only knows one, one temperature in, when it comes to loving, and that's white hot. It was designed for abandoned loving. It was never designed for chilled out, cooled out, distance, woundedness. So whenever we get into a position where our hearts are not white hot, that's really heart sickness. That's really heart disease. But because we're in a climate where love has grown cold, that's what it says, in the last days, many hearts will grow cold. That that coldness or that lukewarmness has become the new normal. So we then evaluate ourselves based upon a dysfunctional culture and we don't know how to take a proper reading of where we are spiritually because we don't have a plumb line that's accurate enough to, de to determine where we actually are. So God wants to baptize a people in love. And that word baptism is so all comprehensive. It's, it's immersion. It's total immersion into the essence or the nature of God. And so God says His love is an all-consuming fire. What an amazing statement. His love is so strong, it's jealous. It's a, there's a proper jealousy that he, he is so loving that, that even the remotest feeling of an idol is repulsive to him. It's, it's a violation to his very nature and very character. If anything comes between you and the love of God, he will militantly do whatever it takes to dismantle that idol from your heart because it's not in your best interest. It's not in his best interest. He only wants one thing, and that's a white-hot love affair with him and for that to translate into a white-hot love with other people. So... A love bond with God and a love bond with people is a very, very big deal that's counterintuitive, countercultural, but very clearly why we are on the earth. We're not on the earth for anything less than that. White hot love. That's it. There's, that summarizes our job description in this life and the life to come. And that's not going to change, by the way. That's, just, that's why we're here on the planet, to figure it out, how to love well, how to love with white-hot love. So the highest value in Scripture is relationships. That's the highest value. And yet, relationships, you know, if we were to grade Western culture about on, on relational skills and on relational wholeness, and on emotional wholeness, if, what, would you, what would you give American culture? What grade would you give on a scale of 1 to 10? How would you grade our track record in the American culture on relational skills and relationships? Just anybody. Minus 3? Minus 3. No. <laughs> Minus three. Yeah, I mean, when you consider half of all marriages are ending in divorce, just, just that is a pretty grievous... A stigma, and we're not, by the way, condemning anybody that's been through a divorce. We're just saying that it's all of us are broken. So, um, in the course of a fallen world, in the course of life, we've all we've all been uh, adversely affected by traumas that throttle down our capacity to love in an abandoned way. And you've heard me talk about this because I got it from the life model, which all of you are going to be 
well, well versed in over the next number of years. We're going we're gonna to absorb the, the insights of these believers who have learned and are studying about how to de-traumatize people, how to heal people, how to do recovery work, and then how to help people mature in their love and relational skills, uh, which cannot be done apart from family. So we're on a journey to become a family that heals and matures people in love. Right? That means that we're going to be encouraged by heaven to be more intimate with Jesus, more profoundly connected to him, see his white hot love, experience his white hot, white hot, white hot love, be freely receiving and freely giving. Now the seat of activity for this exchange of love is where? This is not a trick question. Okay, it's not just the heart, but that's the main, obviously we all know, that's the main organ in the spirit, in the soul, in the body. The main organ for love is the heart. But it also says we will love God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. So there is a there is an understanding of the mind. There is a wisdom and a technology and an insight of the mind. There are actually relational skills that we can know and understand that you can write them down and talk about them and practice them. So the mind can learn the discipline, the art, the joy of loving and relationally and relating well. But the heart, that's another mystical place of, of connection and transference. And then the lifestyle bleeds into our lifestyles where we do right living together. We share things. We share time, affection, money, all that good stuff. Now, in 1 Peter 1.22, I'd like somebody to read that verse. 1 Peter 1.22. I'd like you to read this and look at this. It's pretty amazing statement. 1 Peter 1.22. Anybody got it? Who's got my 1 Peter 1.22 verse? You guys are slow on your iPhones today. Yeah, your phones are slow. What's the deal here? 1 Peter 1.22 Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. That's New King James. You want a different version? Yeah. We want? NIV maybe? Uh, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. Love one another deeply from the heart. Okay, so Romans 5.5 5 talks about this. It says, The love of God will be shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. That's a baptism of love. The pouring out, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit's love into your human spirit. It's agape love. It's extraordinary. It comes from the other realm. It's the atmosphere of heaven. So Romans 5.5, 5, the love of God comes pouring out of the other realm, out of the throne room. And it comes blowing into your human spirit. And it's got to have expression. It's got to be complemented with the way we love people horizontally. In fact, it says in 1 John, you cannot say you love God and don't love people. The evidence that we love God is how we love the person that loves us the least. Oh. Ouch. Do we love God? Do we have such a pure... Uh, sense of access to the throne room that we can even love our enemy on the earth. That's the challenge, right? That's the goal, is to love people deeply from the heart, but particularly the family of God. So we have three um, settings to practice love. Setting number one is FaceTime with Jesus coming into the to, to relationship with the Father through Jesus by the Holy Spirit. It's a Trinitarian fellowship. 
In fact, it says that in, in the scripture. We, we hope that our fellowship would be with you and with the Trinity, with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So it's a, it's a foursome, uh, it's a foursome, Duff. Without the, and you can even bring your clubs along. Okay? So uh, you're out there and you're engaging this other, other person. Now, I want to tell you something. <laughs> we were kidding about that this morning. Uh, there's a movie Tom Cruise is in. And uh, he's, it's, you know, it's a high adventure movie. And he's kind of trying to rescue this girl that thinks that she can go out on her own. And actually, there's a price tag on her life. And so she knows that if she gets apart, separated from him, she's dead. So he goes, listen, with me or without me? With me. Without me. <laughs> Just like that. And of course, Mono and I use that all, all the time with the Lord and with each other. Mono, with me or without me? And he would go, no, no, no. With me or without me? Yeah, so <clears throat> the other day, I was with Sue. And we were going to have a real important conversation about how, our, how we're going to flow together, work together, just trying to take it to the next level and work out some kinks and stuff. And I was pretty flat and tired. And we, just, we were there at a coffee shop. And I could feel like I'm just in my soul. I'm just not, I'm flat. I'm just in my humanity. I'm not in the spirit, as, as it says in Revelations, you know. And so we prayed right there in the coffee shop, just shamelessly. We do that all the time. Lord, we need your spirit. We need your help. All of a sudden, I could sense the other realm infiltrating my human spirit. That shimmering, plasmic, jelly-like substance, that creamy, buttery sense of the Lord's affection flowing in my spirit for, from the Lord to me and from the Lord to Sue. And at the same time, for me, it works like this. Make love your aim, then desire the gifts, especially you prophesy. So in me, divine order goes like this. I get infused with a supernatural affection from the Lord for myself, for other people. I can feel that love that is different than my humanity because my humanity is not all that pretty all the time. So when the Lord infiltrates my spirit, I can feel the love of God shedding abroad in my heart. Now I know I'm operating from the other realm. The other realm is moving in my spirit. I'm not, I'm not being animated now by Tim working it up in soul power. I can sense I'm being engaged from the other place. Oh man, that's really great. In fact, I've watched preachers you know, that know the anointing. They'll meander around and meander around and tell stupid stories and, and it's dry as a bone. The next thing you know, kablam, the Holy Spirit hits them, which they're waiting for, and then they're off and running. It's like the light goes on, their eyes start twinkling, the fire starts hitting, and you know that you're in the Spirit. It's so obvious. A lot of times the Lord will show cases in weakness before he, before he releases the anointing because he wants to know, with me, without me. <laughs> with me, Without me. And so there's a contrast. You're trying to pull off life. This Christian life was never meant to be lived without him. So we're there. I feel that shimmering plasmic. I feel the affection. The next thing you know, I get, wham, I get a word of knowledge. I get a word from the Lord. And it has to do with who, how God has designed Sue. And so I'm asking questions and she's interacting and then all of a sudden the spirit of revelation is hitting me because now she's totally safe in my presence. All she's got is me in the love of God. All I've got is her in the love of God. She loves me. I love her. We're safe. We're just flowing. And the next thing you know, revelation, revelation, revelation. Re and it took our relationship from here to here, kaboom. And man, we felt the electricity of the Lord. We felt like, oh, wow. Now I've got to now meet Sue in the heavens where she is and who she is so that the way we flow together is, is completely in the spirit. That was a lot of fun. I mean, we were both electrified. I still haven't recovered and I never want to recover from the goodness of that moment I had with her. It was a breakthrough time. So it was all animated by the love of God, which then brought us the revelation of God, the wisdom and revelation, which then unleashed the power of God to do what he asked us to do. So what we're trying to talk about is a supernatural world. This baptism of love is a big thing. And it's evidenced by the quality of our bonding with other people. This is what we want to get at. There's an inseparable connection between 
this love release, this agape love release, this white hot in, uh, upgrade in our life, and the way we connect with one another. As a matter of fact, we cannot really have this supernatural life in God outside of heart connected with, connectedness with others. Actually, a mind, heart, and life connection. So, the life model refers to two types of bonding with people. You can even either have a, a, a fear bond or a love bond. And so this morning in our orientation, we differentiated and broke that out. What is a fear bond and what is a love bond so we can be sophisticated enough to know if we're entering into wrong territory or right territory so that our family becomes healthy and not dysfunctional. And these diff two different categories are very subtle or not so subtle. But, if, but once you put your finger on them, you can feel the difference. Once you understand the difference between a fear bond and a love bond, then you can go about the business of building love bonds with people. As long as you know the etiquette, what the, what the difference is. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to break this out. And we're going to talk about fear bond versus love bond. And then we're going to pray today in this room for a baptism of love. I've had numbers of those in my life. I had one in Toronto. Numbers of them. I mean, I got jacuzzied in the love of God. It was absolutely life-changing. But, but a baptism of love is also what we're wanting is a steady stream of love. We want the big encounters, but we want the ongoing river. How many of you know we want both? You know, we want the, the big breakthroughs, the gate moments, but we want the way moments where I have a steady stream of, con of affection even while my soul is being frustrated, irritated, and, and offended and hurt. I want, we want to minimize the day-to-day -day irritants that, that reduce love in our life. And we want to increase a steady flow of love so that we radiate the love of God when no one's looking all the time, whoever we're with, we are radiating this energy of love. Okay? So, the, the topic is the energy, the, and the Greek word, mono probably hasn't ever heard this, but it's energia, of love. Okay, Mono, there's this word in the Bible. I, what is it again? <laughs> Long standing joke. All right, so the energy of love, and what we want is a baptism. A baptism means a total immersion, okay, of the energy of love. All right, and we want it to be breakthrough stuff and steady stream. All right, so we have two types of love, and we, we, we now know that the early church was of one mind and heart and life. We know from 1 Peter 1.22, love each other deeply from the heart. So we know that there can be some kind of a bond. There has to be a bond in order for love to get exchanged. There has to be a connection of the heart for this to work. Is David coming back, or is he... Is he Oh, bless his heart, because I really was hoping he'd get this. But, oh well, we'll have to just demonstrate it to him over and over. All right, so uh, let's do this then. What is a love bond? And what is a fear bond? And we're going to start with a fear bond. We're going we're gonna to try to understand what those two are. All right? And remember now, we're in reference to uh, something that's going to be an energy. So I'd like, I'd like us to think of fear bond as negative energy. And love the love bond as positive energy. All right? So fear bond is negative energy. It's, it's where the relationship that you have with this person ultimately ends up producing some kind of a drain. Or a depletion. Now I want you to start helping me here. I'd like you to describe what you think what you think is a fear bond. What would produce a fear bond? You've only you've you've all experienced a fear bond, so once we start talking about it, 
Would, would for example, performance, uh, would, would manipulation, would manipulation and control be a, f a negative fear bond? Anybody think that's true? Yes. You guys awake? Yes. Work with me. We need 10 push-ups and a couple of jumping jacks, or are you guys so into this? Yeah. Bottom line is, it's free will is sucked out. So you are perfect. A fear bond, fear bond is the, the, the free will is removed. So you are manipulated or it's taken away from you or it is forced upon you. Love bond says you are free to choose me. It's not the you chose me because I, I am this and that. Mm -hmm. So it's the free choosing. That's the whole... Beautiful. You know. Beautiful. That's critical. Love because love requires... So basically we're saying there's no... That word is not, no. There's no freedom. That you've, you've sucked freedom out of the equation. And, and what I will... I'll use words like this. Here's, one of the, here's how you know. If words like must, must, ought, should... What else? You see these words? These words must, ought, or should. It's a required performance. And it basically, it's imposing on you what, what, we're, what, we, what we want you to do in order to please us. You say need would be? Need. need. It, it, uh, potentially. Well, I, I, I don't want to use the word need exactly because we all need love. Let me use the word demand. Uh, there's a difference between I, I desire love from you versus I demand love for you. Yeah. See, the, that's probably what you're yeah. kind of aiming at. So the word demand is, and you can feel a demand by, I have a frustrated expectation. You're not meeting my expectations. And so I can send a demand to you without words. By punishing you if you don't, I can withdraw, I can, yeah, I can pout, I can go on strike. How many of you have ever gone on strike? The silent treatment, anybody ever given anybody the silent treatment? No. What? <laughs> Please. Not that they were doing I mean, you get my point. It's now, okay, so anything else on this, a fear bond. It's, it's, a, it's a bond that's built, how about a soul tie? They made me. It's like it's forced. Threat, force, threat. Then there's guilt. Using guilt. Guilt. You can use really Christian terms like prayerfully considered. Right. Exactly. <laughs> guilt, shame. Yeah. Even even legally, you know, lingo, Christian lingo that has manipulation in it. Like, yeah. Courtroom, yeah. Courtroom, which we've discussed at length around here. Courtroom, anytime there's a judgment, anytime there's a, uh, a criticism, anytime there's debate and opinion, it slips into a fear bond. Because it's now I'm in competition. I have to win an argument. By winning an argument, I can bend your mind and force you to comply with what I want. So that's why I'm trying to say religion is all about um, debate and opinion. Okay? All we want is the mind of Christ freely received and freely given. And even Jesus never controls or manipulates anybody. God never coerces anybody into loving Him. The God of all power and universe doesn't manipulate or control. I mean, if anybody could do that, He would. But He doesn't. Because love to be real love has to be free. So what else would be a fear bond? Work on it. Intimidation. Intimidation. Excellent. That is definitely a fear bond. Intimidation. What else? Victim. What's that? Victim. Victim. Absolutely. Hey, you be nice. You be... 
Now that would be in the <coughs> a Big Ten mentality would be at the love bond right there. <laughs> See, don't use the word intimidation. Don't do that, please. Not funny. All right. So, the how many of you have felt that when you're having to go meet with somebody, get with them, there's a bit of a dread. It's like, oh, I don't really want to get with. This, I don't, I'm not looking forward to this. You ever had any of those? Those like gut grind feelings? <laughs> there, if you feel that dread in you, then there's something, there's mixture in the relationship of some kind. And it may be coming from you or it may be coming from them, but you've got to figure it out. Because if that's there, if that, if that oh, I've got to do this with this person, is in there, then you've got, you've got a fear bond. Fear bond can come from performance. Put that in there, performance. If I'm not performing, or if, then, uh, then I'm, I know I'm going to be rejected by this person. So, how many of you ever had that feeling when you're about to go see somebody and you think, oh, I'm not anticipating this? Like the <laughs> yeah, well, that's... That's not related. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is this. Pay attention to what's going on inside of you. Because the more you pay attention, the more you're going to think there's a leak. There's something not right. I might have the fear of man. See, it might not be them. They may be awesome. It's you. You have the fear of man. You are trying to impress them. And the Lord is not going to bless that. If you're trying to impress somebody, and you're not trusting the Lord to impress you with them, you see what I mean? The Lord can cause you to be impressive to someone else. But if you don't trust the Lord and you're trying to impress them and you're thinking, what if I don't impress them, then I won't get what I want. That right there is a fear of man. You need to praise a man and the fear of man and it's going to be resisted by the Lord because the Lord's going, I don't want you as my daughter or son operating with a fear bond. So I'm actually going to resist you. And you're going, wait a minute, I'm not resisting, well, hold on. He's not resisting you, he's resisting your fear bond. And that's where people get confused. It's like, God, God loves you, he wants you to have all the love in the world. He will not endorse your illegal connections with people. So there's going to be a resistance in it. You're going to find people pulling away, being, you know, being leery of you. Being, they're not going to be excited. They're, they're going to resist you and, and because the vibe you're sending somehow does not send the vibe of love. A job interview, great example. The best job interviews are when you don't want the job or need the job. And actually, and you love the company and you're coming in there to love them. And going, how can I love your company? How can I love you? How can I serve you? If you don't need me, that's fine. God bless you. But I, I want to come and love you and serve your company. Wow, that's the best interview. Is that you don't have the fear of man? You don't care whether you get, you know what I mean? You do care, but I mean, you're not, your personal identity is not on the line with whether you get the job or not. In other words, there's not fear in the atmosphere. You see, listen, there's either fear or love. It, you can't have both at the same time. Fear, one of them is going to take over and control the culture of your inner atmosphere. And again, we're talking about um, this energy. It's, it's, it's inside. Remember, it's in the heart. It's inside, it's between, and it's around. The energy of love, the baptism of love is a thorough takeover. It flows from within, it flows between, and it flows around. And a person that's under that baptism of love with a steady current emits that love off their human spirit. That energy comes off of them all the time. Well, not all the time, but that's the goal. <laughs> that's the goal. So fear bond, there's some more I want to add to this. Go ahead. There's a feeling of powerlessness for people who uh, are fear bond, like their relationships are based in fear. They feel powerless, and so they violate free will. They'll take whatever. So Jesus is like, if you give, be a cheerful giver. Otherwise, it doesn't really count. But sometimes you feel violated. Things have been taken away. You were not willing to give, but right. it's, you've been ambushed, kind of. Right. So good. There's no joy the in giving. Powerful people are here to. They want. They come in the like in the relationship 
It's like they're thinking, how can I give? What can I bring? What, what, what is my love responsibility to this person? The fear-based is, I like the joy and the love and the, mm -hmm. the, the atmosphere that's around this person. I'm going to go with them so I can get some of that. Yeah, it's giving to get. I love this powerless thing because powerlessness evidences itself so many ways. Um, if you're um, getting... Um, I see it happen in relationships and marriages a lot of times. When someone feels powerless, they start nagging. Nagging. Nagging is a manifestation of powerlessness. Irritation. How about raising your voice? The more powerless you feel, the higher you, the, the more volume comes in your life. And anger, anger comes out of fear. It's the fear of losing something. It's the fear of loss. And control comes from fear. Control is an evidence or a byproduct of fear. So when we're in fear, then we're going to start controlling, manipulating, getting angry, raising our voices. And because we don't feel that we have inherent power. And the, 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 the demonic operates here. But God operates in great power. So you can, be, you can push somebody over with a feather if you're operating in the power and love of God. You don't need to resort to shouting and yelling. And so when, when I meet people in their marriage and they're, they're resorting to that kind of energy of intensity and combativeness, I realize both people are orphaning out and they do not feel powerful. And so the goal is to restore their sense of power as a son of God in the, in the family of God. And so from that place, they can be gentle. They can be gentle and soft. They don't have to worry. You see, when somebody gets intense, it's because nothing's happening and I can't make it happen and I'm frustrated because it's not happening and I feel powerless and damn it. And so what they, then they amp up they, and, or they flight. They either fight or flight like what we talked about yesterday. They amp up, they ramp up and then it's World War III. So, you're, you're trying to counterfeit the only legitimate power which comes from the other side. Exactly. It comes from Jesus and you, all these things are just you're, you're trying to fake, you're trying to counterfeit power. It's, it's a shortcut. See, screaming and shouting is a, is a shortcut. It's a lazy man's way to getting what he wants. Whereas when you've got to lose your life and become a servant, oh, crap, I've got to die. I've got I to come in underneath somebody and raise them up. See, it, this is a shortcut. Fear is a shortcut. It tries to, it, it, it will avoid the cross. This is all about the cross. God lost his life for me, and I lose my life for people. This is all about, I'm gaining my life to gain my life. This is, I'm losing my life to gain my life. Now, I want to add one more thing in here that we came up with this morning, earlier. And that is, fear, a fear bond can come in the form of, um, uh, I would call it the beautiful side of evil, with light. Lucifer means light. And New Age or sales use charm. Charm and manipulate. I'm talking about traditional worldly sales. And so what you do is you find out what a person, what's inside a person. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. You try to distinguish what that person wants. You want, you want financial freedom. You want to have all the money. You want to have power. You want to have resources. You want to have this. You want to have that. And then basically you begin to uh, sell that person, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life on what, how your product or how your service will meet their need. And you employ methods of charm. Charm. Think of the word charm. It sounds innocent at first until you realize you put a spell on somebody by flattering them by complimenting by, by a flattery by the way is not a genuine affirmation from heaven it's giving to get you're really saying something you're really wanting that person to love you so you, you say something nice about them so they think something nice about you it's really about you not them that's what flattery is so there is lots of ways to manipulate in a fear-based culture. And it doesn't feel initially bad, except 
At the end of it, you have buyer remorse. At the end of it, you feel slimed. At the end of it, you feel like you've been seduced into something that was not ultimately in your best interest. Now you're paying more for something that you should have. You've got something that you don't want to do. You're, you're sucked into a lifestyle that you're spinning in a cycle of, uh, of imprisonment. But it's always that carrot of promise of financial liberation of this and that. You're, you're spinning and spinning and spinning in a cycle that in the end you're going to wake up and go, this was, I was seduced into a high sounding good setting that is actually causing me to lose my destiny. I'm now sucking so much energy out of this world that my kingdom mandate has been lost. Are you tracking with me? Sometimes offering like, like in church service like the way the offering is presented. Oh yeah. It assumes that people are not willing. Mm-hmm. Like the assumption is that they they're, don't have a new heart and that God is not operating. And so you have to coax people or make them feel guilty or, them up. or do something religious in some way. And we we'll have to be careful how we really just put this, this uh, the, the offering opportunity, the gift that is not in a way that in the, in the end it wasn't their heart's choice and their relationship with Jesus that came into, into mm-hmm. play. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. It's done in the church all the time. This, this, this salesmanship, this charm, this, this, it's done in the business world. It's done in, in, it, 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 it's done in the church. It's super dangerous, but at first it doesn't feel like it's encroachment because there's some, you know, like there's a lot of gives in it. But the gives eventually are going to take more. And the way sin works is you give a little and you get a lot back. And then eventually you give a little more and you get less back. And then you give a lot and you get almost nothing. It takes your life. You're a slave now to that thing. It's, it's sucking your life out. And so, but in the kingdom... It's the, the opposite. You give everything and it feels like initially you're dying and you get nothing back. When you do, you get the Lord. It's the great exchange. And then eventually as you give everything, you get, he, he gives you his everything and you give him your everything and his everything is a lot better than your everything. So it's a very different dynamic in the kingdom. But it's fully all about this. this let's say, do you guys feel like you have a little better understanding of a, of a fear bond? Can you have a fear bond in marriage? Can there be times when it's just not working right? And you're frustrated, you're irritated, you're hurt. Now, what happens in a fear bond is that in life, the longer you live in life, the more weary you get. Have you guys noticed this? The longer you live, the more disillusionment you've experienced, the more church breakdowns you've experienced, the more disappointment you've known, and you can grow more jaded you can grow more worn out and tired. And so basically you just kind of cruise. Now a fear bond is basically negative expectation. What happens there is that life beats you down. And you find yourself being less resilient, less willing to invest, more bouts with hopelessness and discouragement, less confident things are going to that things are winding up. For you, feel things feel like they're winding into a... Uh, all you want is comfortable norm. You're willing to settle for a chill life. And that's why people go comatose in front of TVs for hours. Because they just have been worn down by life. And, and that's their coping mechanism. It's an escape route to dealing with the disappointments that come around love and life. How many of you know what I'm talking about right here? Yeah, what? Yeah, drugs and alcohol. Drugs and alcohol, easy. You can you can work a holic, you can play a holic, you can any kind of holic. You can sex a holic. It doesn't matter. Anything to re- relieve the pain of disappointment that comes from unmet love needs. And we all can fall there. Every one of us. Not one of us is susceptible is 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 impervious thank you thank you to that to this dynamic because life's hard and we're in a world that's fallen and deceptive and every single commercial you read is 
manipulation and witchcraft. It's, it's setting you up to feel discontented with your pillow, with your smell, with your blanket, with your bed, with your car, with your whatever. <laughs> you know what I'm talking because I brought it up the other day. You, 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 you're, you're so ripped off because you can't get a good night's sleep because your pillow is just beating the crap out of you every night and you need to buy a $60 pillow. From my pillow. It's my pillow that will help your head get asleep. And so, I'm telling you, this world, we are satiated every minute, all day long from people, from conversations that seduce us into a counterfeit love. It's not love. It's, it's eros. It's, it's basically, I'm getting something from you in this conversation. Oh, no, 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 I'm here to help you. I'm here to give you one. But in the end, more, more is going to come back to me in the end. Now, you can convince yourself all you want, but if, there's, if you're getting, if, you're, if there is an illegal hook there, it will have a bad taste at the end. Oh, entitlement is a massive fear bond. And that's the whole prevailing disposition of the culture is entitlement you owe me I'm, I'm supposed to live a lifestyle commensurate to my parents yeah but you haven't worked you haven't planned you haven't disciplined your life but I need to have a middle class lifestyle and so I guess I'll end up in my mom's basement because the only way I can get that middle class lifestyle is that I live with them and scab on to their hard work and their discipline. And so it's, I'm telling you what, it's going to be, we're going against the grain at a very high level. And I, I just want you to know though, pay attention to all this because you are, you are being victimized by hell. You are a victim of hell. But you've got to be astute. When you start getting tired and life's beating you down, you've got to pay attention to that because you've got to come back up and, and go into the fight of faith. You can't get sucked into a, an escape rhythm because, because you want to finish well having learned to love. You don't want to check out on love. This is not smart. Because, listen to this, beloved, there is a thing called reward in the Word of God. It's all over the Scripture. And it says that in the judgment seat, at the Bema seat, that's what it's called, you'll be there and your, your eternal security is assured. Okay, that's not what's going to be discussed. What's going to be happened is you're going to be rewarded into eternity for every single time you love somebody in the name of Jesus. Every cup of cold water, down to that. A simple cup of cold water to somebody in Jesus' name is going, to be, is going to be recovered and rewarded beyond your wildest. So it says, sowing and reaping, the law of sowing and reaping. If we just understood that, what you sow, you will reap. If you sow love, you'll reap love. I have people say, I don't have friends, I don't have friends, I don't have love. And I said, uh, okay, start sowing. Well, I, I gave some love, but it didn't come back. I said, hey, seed, time, harvest. But it's not even to get back something. Just so love, 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 so affection, serve, 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 so love, so love, so love. The next thing you know, you look around and you're being loved back. It's called sowing and reaping. But there's a weariness in this, but there's a diligence. Okay, now let's talk about a love bond. What is an appropriate, healthy love bond? The energy of love. going to end on a positive note. Come on, somebody. How do you know that you have a heart connection with somebody that's life-giving and it, it produces something wonderful? You look forward to seeing them? Okay, there's, a, there's, e, there's eager, eager anticipation. Awesome. Freedom to be yourself. You could be creepy, bad mood, and ugly, and smelly, and they're still going to love you and hug you and, and embrace you. They're not going to relate to you through your outer man or your performance. They're going to love you for who you are. How many of you, when your kids were born, you just had a supernatural love for them, whether they were producing poop or not? <laughs> Was that true for you, Jess? Do you love your kids? Even if they're being little stinkers? Yeah, of course. So it's an unconditional kind of love, right? It's unconditional. There's no strings attached. 
if you're giving in order to get something back on any level, there is an eros hook in that dynamic. But if it's free, without strings attached, in other words, if somebody else can get the money, if somebody else can get the glory, if somebody else can get the benefit, are you willing to keep loving them? Uh-huh. I'm kind of understanding it better looking at this than I ever have because if he truly loves us, he has to give free choice. It's part of it. It's like one it's one thing. It's not you can't separate you can't. giving your love object what's called. Hmm. Eros is a is a is it's free choice, there's no love. Right. Eros has a hook in it. It this has to be for you're right. It's it's they're inseparable. And now, by the way, the word bond is the word covenant in Scripture. I just wanted to bring that up. The, word, the, the most important words in Scripture are like covenant, kingdom, Jesus. You can't get bigger words than covenant. Covenant is the highest quality oneness that you can get. So the word bond means covenant. It means oneness. The, and oneness grows over time as trust builds. So just pure, good, old-fashioned friendship you know, if, if our church was built on just good old-fashioned friendship where, where we connected at the heart and loved each other and we had some common values for Jesus, for love, for the kingdom on earth, if we were just finding ourselves as buddies around Jesus and our hearts were connecting and every time we were together doing something, there's an increased connection and an increased impact Okay, so what we're after here is increasing intimacy. Uh, let's put it this way. A love bond is going to produce clarity of um, identity. Clarity of identity. When you're around me, you're going to know yourself better by the Spirit. If I'm going to get with you, you are not going to get to stay the same in your perception of yourself. Because if we're going to have a love bond that's in the kingdom then you're always going to hear better prophetically who you are in the Spirit. That's cool. In other words, I'm going to good news you. You're going to good news me, and I'm going to good news you. We're going to fellowship in the Spirit. So identity is a critical one for a love bond. In this category of love bond, it's a, it's a mutual life-giving experience. Oh, the, cool. The fear base is a one-way street. Oh, perfect, Mono. This is one way. This is one way, and this is going to come out in this book, by the way. This is one way. This is two way. There's a reciprocity of life, of Jesus and each other is being exchanged. So even if you're in a discipling situation, you don't feel depleted. You actually feel invigorated. Invigorated. Life has flown into you. Now, I will say this. Developmentally, from infant to child, to, a, to a adult, to parent, to elder. That, those are the five stages of development that the life model is going to... They describe what tasks you need to do, what tasks the family needs to do for you, and then what's the result that happens if that doesn't happen. If you don't do your thing and they don't do their thing, you end up being very dysfunctional. And it's at every stage, a different set of tasks have to happen. To, from you uh, and from them. So in the early stage of infancy, the primary job description of a baby is to receive. Receive affection. Receive identity. Receive you know, delight. Their job is to receive freely. And our job is to freely give. All right? Then, as they do that, if, they, if, they're, with, if they're traumatized by omission, then their, their development is going to be stopped. Most people stay in the infant stage even though they have adult bodies. Or they stay in a child phase even though they have adult bodies. And you know, that's not cute. That's not cute to have a, a boy in a man's body who can't, be, who can't act out true loving. So what we're going to do is this living from the heart Jesus gave you. As, as we understand biblical sequences of growth and the need for relational love, 
We are going to be a life-giving family that sets into motion a new way of, of loving people from the heart that's free and not fear-based. And believe me, brothers and sisters, if we can break through into this, which we will, we will have something so profound that it will be, it will be the world, the world is a being, it will be electrified by this. Because when the world sees this kind of love, they won't know what hit them. So eventually, though, as a child moves out of infancy into childhood stage, they start reciprocating love. This is what Mana's talking about. And we say, hey, say thank you, Noah. Noah, what do you say? Thank you. Okay, good. And then Noah begins to share affection. Noah begins to reciprocate what was freely sown into him, he sows back. Now, this is true for everything, not just that. So, but what Mano's saying is, is if somebody doesn't reciprocate and grow up, they become codependent. And codependence is, in fear, is a fear bond. Entitlement and codependence is not what we're going for. So a lot of times people come to church and say, what's in it for me? I didn't get anything out of it. They are not coming like mature people coming to give and love the hell out of other people. They're coming to take something. They're coming to take something not to give. And they're not, they're, they're, that beca that's because mature, in terms of relational skills and maturity, they, they are very immature they're not, and so we have to help them. So another thing about bonding here, is, again, this word covenant. Do you know that we can, uh, covenant is a very mystical thing. We want to have our covenant rise up above the rock tribe. We want it to be so real that it is not based upon whether we're in the rock or not in the rock. And I think that's really important. Now we can identify this as our family. But I want, the I want it to be more elevated than this. Like, I just got this affection text from Peter Young, the pastor at Bridge Bridgeway. And it was just out of the blue this morning. Like, I'm sitting here, and he, he, he texts me this affectionate email, you know, Bridgeway Church in Denver. And I can feel what's going on. Peter is finding his way toward my mind and heart as a friend, as a covenant friend, and there's no other agenda than that because he just needs to, he needs a connection with someone else that's functioning in leadership. He's just finding me and I'm finding him. It's not about the rock. It's about the kingdom. It's about Jesus. Now, what if we did that with each other? In other words, I need you to know I'm not relating to you just around. I'm trying to build the rock tribe. Okay. Now there was a day I was just trying, I was trying to build a rock tribe because I knew a prototype would be powerful. And I was competing against the Crips and the Bloods. And so where my faith was at that time, I was really trying to get a prototype built. And I was focused on it. And it, the enemy used it to delegitimize me. But as I grew and recognized that this was opening the door for a challenge of my motives. And by the way, motives is everything, right? And I'm not saying our motives are always perfect. In other words, I think... Okay, I'll, I'm distracting myself. I think that... Um, we want to learn to connect at a very high level. So we want to learn to connect around the higher things, not just about a trade name or uh, you know, our name. Our name really points to Christ in the kingdom. So this covenant bond, we want something very deep that, that is beyond, that is eternal. Like, I want to love you into eternity, Duff. I don't want to just... I don't want to be used or have you use me. I want to build a friendship. I want to beat you in golf. I want to beat you in racquetball. And uh, I know that's the chances of that are not real high. But anyway, I want to engage. I, we want to grow as friends. We want to grow as family, covenantally. But the way that's going to happen is if our agenda is Christ, Christ's body, Christ's kingdom. If it's that level. That is what's going to be the glue in the spirit. If it's genuine love, then, we're, then you'll never have to go backwards. So here's my point. Every time we get together, our identities are improved. Our intimacy and affection goes up. And our destiny gets empowered. There's something about our, that that's impact. So identity, intimacy, impact. So all three, that's Christ, Christ's body, Christ's kingdom. 
That's revival, restoration, transformation. All three are going up, 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 up every time we connect, every time we're together, even when we're not together. You see, I can be praying for you and growing in my love for you outside of space and time because I'm in the Spirit. My love and my commitment to you guys grows all the time, every day, because I bombard you and pray all the time. So you can't pray for somebody a lot and dream about them and hope for them and love for them and not have something happen in the spirit world. And even if you left the Rock Tribe, that's not going to cease for me because I'm not relating to you based upon whether you're a member or not. Now, our time together will be diminished because I've just, I do have to focus on the priority that I've been given. My, my, but I still, the people that have left the Rock Tribe, even if they left bad, I still love them. Totally. I love them. I, I, I've got a little hurt by them sometimes, the way, they, the way they did it. But it doesn't mean I haven't forgiven them. And I, if I saw them, I, wouldn't, I would hug them right now. But I mean, I'm, I'm experiencing this even at work. Yeah. I mean, those people are not part of this group mm -hmm. at all. But I've had conflicts that now, instead of approaching it the way I used to approach it, I'm starting to approach it differently, coming into a throne room, mm -hmm. attitude with it bringing that into prayer, and it's changing those relationships at work and launching me into a better work environment there you go. for them and for me. Yeah. And it's just barely beginning, but I'm feeling it there, and that's not connected to this, but it is connected because of that agenda of Christ, Christ's body, Christ's kingdom. Yep. Perfect. You can do this with an unbeliever. You can keep moving up. Now, one more thing I want to say. With a love bond, a conflict and a crisis can actually fertilize an explosion of connectedness. In a love-bonded setting that's healthy, crisis and conflict produces deeper connection. In a fear bond, crisis and conflict produce division and separation. People check out. They get offended and leave. So many, many, many settings, church families or whatever, they're built on a performance-based culture it's programs that you will or won't attend. It's services that we're providing that you get paid for. And it's very fear-based. The pastors are in fear to, get, to grow the church. The people are in fear. Everybody's in fear. When they get irritated, offended, or whatever, they don't like something, that, that is the, in the courtroom, they use it as justification for pulling out relationally. But in a love-bonded culture, you fight through those conflicts you fight through those crises to the point where you win a breakthrough because somewhere an, orphan is, an, an orphaned issue is manifesting. And so rather than throw somebody away, you embrace them more. This creates a culture of belonging. This creates a culture of division, of separation. Got it? Culture of belonging... Culture of separation. Now, if trauma can produce mass fear, that's what terrorists do. Their goal is to produce mass fear so that people walk around the planet, walled off, love grows cold, they disconnect. Mass fear produces mass disconnection and a mass culture of division and isolation. Correct? It's us and you. The Muslims, we want to take over, whatever. It's a mass, it's terrorism produces mass Fear that produces mass division. But guess what? Where sin abounds, grace can abound all the more. So what God wants is a self-perpetuating culture that reproduces the love of God in family that takes over the world freely with voluntary loving. So if there's a mass ability to destroy, there's a mass ability to belong, to bring people into the kingdom. And the church is the only setting that can self-perpetuate uh, low technology, easily transferable ways to love. That's twos and threes. That's MKFs. If we employ the right, the right skill sets. So we've already been given um, the biblical model for how to be a self-perpetuating um, viral movement of love. If we'll just get the right components put together, we'll be dangerous to hell. Because if you got mass hysteria, you can have mass peace, righteousness, and joy. You can have mass belonging. 
But it takes a breakthrough people, a pioneering people. It takes people that are early adopters and pay the price to learn these new skill sets and these new attitudes of being, having a love bond. So we will meet every Sunday. We will get together in MKS and twos and threes. We will try to have parties and picnics and, and, and construction on buildings. We'll, do, we'll, we'll fight in our busy, separated, spread out world. We have to keep fighting and fighting in the kingdom, I mean, before the Lord, praying, worshiping, and believing God and working on the skills we need to improve the love bonding skills, we, the relational skills. This is what we're assigned to. And it will bleed into the way we raise our kids. And the way we love our grandkids. And the way we love each other's kids. And the way we love each other. And the way we love the lost. So I am highly encouraged. Now that was not all to just set you up. But I, I want to, I do want to highly encourage you. I've got copies of this book. You can buy them today. I don't know what, what we could charge for them. Ten bucks. Okay, I've got some extra copies here up in my bookstore. <laughs> no, in my office. Which if you haven't seen my office, you're welcome to come up there and see it and feel the glow. <laughs> where I pray for you but living from the heart Jesus gave you I'm just boofing off living from the heart Jesus gave you this is the introductory uh, setup that is a coalition of neuroscientists brain scientists psychiatrists theologians top leaders in the church that have found each other around how do we help people get healed and mature in the kingdom of God, in the setting of family. They use family language. We have been waiting for this, and they've been waiting for us. So I am like, now, so excited. But not, not to, however, I am challenged. There's a lot here that is like, ow, my gosh, we have our homework cut out for us. But I'm telling you, I'm not going to waffle. This is what God wants. So here's what I see happening, and then I'll close with this. I see a couple things happening. I see... The inner healing emphasis that we have, that's IH, with uh, upgrading our faith goals in the five C's, you know, faith goals, learning that in our MKFs and our twos and threes, with the life model, with time with Jesus, FaceTime. So I think these four things are going to converge. The, the, the information that we have, the, the understanding of how to have FaceTime, how to do this life model stuff, how to developmentally bring somebody forward, how to learn how to get faith goals, which by the way you do, in, you do intuitively, you don't even know you do it, and then how to do the inner healing piece. Better and better. We're going to cycle up in these four things in the setting of MKFs and, and twos and threes. And together, these insights will cause a convergence or a divine explosion of breakthrough. And some of it will be steady and hard. There's always a crisis when you transfer from one stage of development to another. But we will become competent in how to help people get healed and mature in the setting of family, i.e. love. But the basis of it is love bonding. Most churches built on gifts and on, you know, and on your competency and your gifts. We want to build on love, not on gifts. We'll have gifts, but that's not going to be the foundation of why we're building. Maybe gifts versus talent. Well, gifts and talents can be the thing that pulls people together and forms a staff in order to get things done, and, but then you're expendable. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, on yeah. the that's true. Gifts and talents, right? On this side, gift, gift meaning spiritual. It, it it flows from love because it's based on bathing mm. in the presence of God, right? Uh, versus. Well, this will be divine order. So, this is what we're after. Any final comments before we we pray for the baptism of love to hit us? I'm, I'm not kidding you. The Lord wants to baptize you in love. So it doesn't need to be long. I'm going to just pray this prayer because we're running time-wise. Where are we at? Noon? Okay. No, he doesn't. Really? Leif Hetland? Well, we need to grab a hold of it because I love that guy. He is amazing. He's in our tribe, Middle T. Leif Hetland, I love that guy. 
Yes, he's a Norwegian or yeah, he's a he's a Scandinavian something. I love that guy, Leif Hetland. So I got to get that book, Baptism of Love. Does he? Okay, so touch somebody because of the the law of contact and transference. And I really want you to believe that right now you're before the throne of God. You know why? Because you are through the blood of Jesus. In the spirit world, you have access to this this absolutely, totally love-based, grace-based world. It's the throne of grace, the throne of love. Father, we come before you in Jesus' mighty name. And we're here because of the, the cross, the blood of Jesus. Talk about a love bond. That while we were yet sinners, you formed a new covenant in your love at the cross. You shed blood that we might be alive to you. You made a covenant with us in blood even when we didn't reciprocate. You set something in motion without any strings attached. Just believe. Just respond. So today we dedicate ourselves to you in the way of the cross. And Father, we're asking that you baptize us with the Holy Spirit, with fire, and give us the baptism of love. A love so thick and so deep that what we emit is so gentle, kind, so fruitful that we are filled with love, filled with affection, filled with joy, filled with the fruit of the Spirit. We welcome to be a people that when, when people get around us, their identities go up. Their love goes up. Their impact goes up. We're a life-giving people. Baptize us in love. Shed, our, shed your love abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Let's just wait a minute. And just pray in the Spirit a minute. Just wait. Says, let love abound. Let love abound. Lord, help us to love our enemies. Help us to forgive those that have cursed us and betrayed us. Help us to bless those that have cursed us. Help us to live the way of the cross. Give us mercy. We're asking you to make us a miracle. Make us a human miracle. Showcase your love through us. Love you, Jesus.